1: welcome to seriously the podcast from the new statesman that takes pop culture seriously i'm caroline crampton and i'm anna
2: leskovich this week we're talking about the new series of orange is the new black and the scissor album control we've also watched the channel 4 comedy catastrophe for the first time so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another
1: episode of Seriously. Thanks so much to all who bought tickets for our Game of Thrones quiz. It's now sold out but you can get on the waiting list and you know if you're desperate to see us this summer you do have two other opportunities already uh, on our events page so do head to seriouslypod.com
2: events to check those out. Yeah we're doing two live episodes one at the Shout Out Festival on the 5th of August and another at the London Podcast Festival on the 17th of September. They're both available to buy now. For the Shout Out Network Festival, if you go to seriouslypod.com forward slash shout out, we then have a special promo code that gives you £5 off the ticket price and also gives us some money too, which is nice if you would like to help us. The code is seriously, S R S L Y number five. As we've sort of alluded to in the past, Anna and I work at a politics magazine. Mm. So although we're not going to talk about any of the news, capital letters, it has been really, really busy and getting your tweets and emails about non-election related stuff has been really nice in the last few days.
1: Yeah so nice but you don't want to hear about any of that do you guys so let's roll on.
2: The first thing we're going to talk about today is the new series of Orange is the New Black, the Netflix drama originally based on the memoirs of Piper Kernan. It's now in its fifth series and has moved on from Piper's story to become an ensemble drama. We last saw the characters at the end of season four after a horrible death had taken place and series five picks up right where it left off.
3: If we want to turn this place right, we have to speak as one united group. Who's in? Are you insane? No, she's angry. We're all angry. You done our girl wrong, Mr. Caputo. And we want justice. To whom it may concern, we,
0: the inmates of Litchfield, are human beings. We are protesting the abusive conditions
3: under which we are being held. We're gonna give them a show.
2: Ooh, gonna be
0: super famous! <laughs> Don't forget to smile. Nice. Yeah.
1: So obviously spoilers for Orange is the New Black. I've seen episodes one to seven. What about you? One to four. Okay. So we're going to keep it fairly non-spoilery. Um, we've had a few emails lately from people saying, what did you think of the rest of this show or that show? So we are thinking of maybe trying to come back to a couple of shows once we've finished the whole season, because it's quite hard to watch a whole season in advance. But we have done a few episodes of this and then maybe we'll come back to it another day in the future. Right,
2: Caroline? Yeah. I quite like the idea, actually, of maybe doing a revisit special. Yeah.
1: exactly something like that so we'll we'll keep you in touch with our developing thoughts but the first half of orange is the new black spoilers within if you don't want to get spoiled for that catch up and then come back so basically this entire season takes place over three days which was reported kind of a few months ago and now we're starting to get a sense of why and it's because there's a big
2: prison uprising happening right yeah so we join at the beginning of the riot and -hmm. then follow it basically in real time all the way through
1: yeah so well I think even I mean maybe not maybe I'm getting ahead of myself I feel like even longer than real time because we keep keep, like revisiting certain characters like earlier in the day and stuff but yeah maybe perhaps not quite real time but it does feel very very involved so it all starts off with Dyer picking up a gun and aiming it at Humps who's the evil guard from last season who forced Maritza to choose between six dead flies and a baby mouse which is gross it was horrible but and like hard to watch but i think one of the things that orange is the new black is so great at those moments where you're like what this is horrific what's happening and yeah so it's quite satisfying to see her get a chance to kind of readdress the power dynamic there but of course fans of Dyer will be worried about her baby and will she get out is she gonna fuck everything up by getting more time added onto her sentence and that's basically the whole kind of problem with this uprising right is that you really want to see these inmates get what they deserve and get that some of more of their rights and maybe even get a little bit of revenge on the guards that have treated them so badly. But you don't want this to become a thing where they're actually all further
2: imprisoned for longer sentences. It's really complicated to work out your own motivations mm-hmm. because, yeah, you want happy endings for everybody, but it's also quite hard to work out what a happy ending Would looks look- like. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know. That's one of the real problems of this show, uh, that in order to have a show focusing on like prison and the prison industrial complex and like the kind of lives people might lead in prison if you're going to keep it realistic then there's probably not going to be like a super rosy flowers you know happy ending for a lot of these characters who are maybe going to end up in prison again like we saw with tasty who got released a couple of seasons ago but ended up coming straight back but you also want to give these characters an arc Mm -hmm. and something hopeful and you don't want to kind of bind these characters that you know and love to the same kind of relentless cycles that real people have so it's really difficult. But this all comes about because of, as we say, one of the, the, the most heartbreaking moments in all five seasons of Origins, The New Black, which was Poussey's death last season. And so Tasty and Janae and Cindy, her three friends, have really taken the mantle of trying to get justice for her, especially Tasty, who's kind of leading this rebellion. And all the other prisoners are kind of just going along with it because, you know, they fucking hate the situation that they're in. But really, Tasty's the main person who's super motivated by Pousset's death and I think also Janae, who's very like aware of, you know, racism and oppression that's happening within the prison.
2: And there's a really moving moment as well. I can't remember maybe episode three or four when Suzanne comes into the cafeteria where everyone's having dinner. She's been in the kind of medical bay and she sees people just like walking around and standing on the bit of the floor where Pousset died mm. and she freaks out and she immediately just marks the area off with trays and puts a candle in the middle and is like, this is a sacred space, Mm. how dare you? Mm. Which I, yeah, which I just found really moving.
1: Yeah, it's so nice to see Poussey get some proper mourning from so many different characters. And it's not, you don't feel like her death was just done as a shock factor and then moved on. It's like been used very much as a very important kind of catalyst Mm. for how the season progresses. One of the things that I find interesting about this season is that it's asking quite difficult and complex questions about like, what the best way to like resist something politically is for example do you put the white lady at the front or the celebrity at the front because they're going to get the most attention on the issue or as janae feels is making judy king the celebrity chef kind of the person who delivers a statement to the police and the press about the uprising that they're holding and their demands and stuff is making her the person who says those things detracting from the real struggle of all these other prisoners when you know who didn't get the preferential treatment that judy king got and just other things like how important is it for Tasty to prioritise, you know, justice for Poussey at the top of her list when other prisoners might be more interested in, you know, making sure that they have a good
2: educational programme. So it they, really complicated, I think. It's so complicated. There was one particular scene on that, on the priorities in the list of demands that I really, really liked, where having made a stand about the fact that we're human beings and we should behave like we want them to treat us, they decide to be democratic about it and get everyone To write down what they want. Mm -hmm. And then they go through them all and they tally them all up. And Tasty's really shocked that justice, we could say, only comes ninth. Mm. So then the list of ten things they eventually put forward has huge and wide-ranging things like justice for our friend who was murdered. And reinstating the GED program and Mm -hmm. proper training for guards. Mm. But then it also has food-related demands as well. And like really micro stuff. So... Yeah, it just reflects that these are humans protesting and that they have lots of different levels of desires and wants and rights. Because
1: this is an ensemble drama, so you get, you know, a look at the protest from so many different characters. But for me, it's really that core group of the, the four black women that I'm really interested in. Tasty, Cindy, Janae, Alison who were kind of, like, trying to figure out how (laughs) how to lead the prison in this uprising. And, yeah, I do think it touches on a lot of difficult things. There's a whole episode about the idea of, like, should they accept these, like... Cheetos and other snacks you know clearly the easiest demand to fulfill that's what the state go out and like give them and offer them and it ends with them burning all these treats like in front (laughs) of the prison in a really emotional moment where you know Tasty really talks about you know the problems and what their demands actually are and how people aren't listening to them And it's really nice to see those characters get that opportunity to finally actually tackle something so much bigger than them. Because I do think, as we were saying, one of the problems with Orange is the New Black is that you can feel like your characters are constantly frustrated in this system. Uh. I wrote about this in a piece, but there's a really nice moment in episode seven where Janae is teaching Brooke, Poussey's girlfriend, or you know, morning girlfriend, She's teaching her how to box because she's like thinks that exercise will help her through her depression. And she's got a big cushion with a face on it. And she says, you know, punch the cushion, Brooke, like punch whoever you're angry about for the poussé thing, you know, get it all out. And she's like, but... That's so reductive. I don't like hate one person. I hate the prison industrial complex. And Janae's like, well, I can't draw that. So (laughs) punch the face. And I think that's really funny because that's for me, one of the issues with this season is, although I really, really like it, there's no one person that you can direct all your rage at. And you're trying to, you're kind of struggling with these characters who are facing this problem that's bigger than like Piscatella or Humps. Mm. And you haven't got that villain like we often have in a season. We have just a really hateable character that you can be like, boo, you're everything that's wrong with the world. And now we don't have that character. We're just kind of watching them struggle with where to put their anger. And it is really interesting if like less immediately
2: satisfying, I think, than some other seasons. Probably more realistic though. Yeah, definitely. right. So there is that. Also, just say, like the direction of travel of this show generally it's moved away from being focused on piper's character Mm -hmm. and as you say become an ensemble drama piper is like less in it Mm. than she's ever been which is only a good thing you know she does have like a little Mm storyline from what i've seen in the first four episodes Mm -hmm. but it's not that important Mm. but what i do like what the show has carried forward from previous series is the really intense flashback use mm-hmm. so we get as the storylines kind of intertwine and we get more of one character and then another where it feels relevant they flash back to a pre-prison moment in that person's life that illuminates what they then go on to do mm-hmm. and they do that both with characters we feel like we know really well like Frida mm-hmm. I really loved her little flashbacks yeah by the way yeah to her survivalist dad I love and... the music in that yeah sort
1: of like, um. I don't know it's just really nice like
2: but then also What's her name? The like new person?
1: Oh, Linda from purchasing.
2: Yes, that's her name. Yeah. So even Linda from purchasing gets a flashback to her like, sorority. Oh yeah. Experience. <laughs> she
1: leaves someone out in the cold. Yeah, which Linda. is which
2: is really interesting <laughs> because at the beginning you're like, oh poor Linda, you know she's kind of innocent in this oh, situation. I wasn't
1: at all. I was like, oh Linda, you bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then you know the more you see of her, the more you realize like how awful she's she really is. She's really awful. That like, yeah. she's kind of
1: i hope that we get because she i feel like she's kind of been in the background for for me for the seven episodes that i've seen but i really want her to like rear her ugly head again and just because she's the only one really who's in there who is like truly evil we've mm. also got humps in there but he's basically incapacitated he's not really able to do anything terrible and we've got caputo in there but like
2: i don't know i feel like caputo's never fully been cast as a villain yeah he's always had a you know redeeming part like for instance i thought it was so interesting that uh, right at the beginning when tasty and her group try and force caputo to film this Mm. sort of mea culpa video message and he does it up to a point Mm. like unlike i think some of the other authority figures who would just been like no i'm not doing it Mm. he reads their message until it gets to the point where it says that C.O. Bailey murdered say mm. Washington. it's like, I can't say that.
1: Yeah. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? I think with a character like him, it's, it's really well drawn because it's like, here's this nice, like fairly understanding white guy. I mean, I think he was almost more of a villain in earlier seasons mm. when he just like didn't seem to care about anyone, but he's portrayed as pretty caring and it's like genuinely torn but he like just doesn't get it and he like actually doesn't when it comes down to it he
2: doesn't often do the right thing he does always in the end i feel like prioritize his own well-being and safety
1: yeah or even just the fact that he probably genuinely believes that bailey is not a murderer and is genuinely doing what he thinks is right which is not calling him that and you know saying you know this kid was thrown under the bus which is fine but the show is quite good at exploring the fact that this like nice white guy is obviously going to side with the nice white guy because he sees him as just a nice white guy whereas all the prisoners like black prisoners who've been mistreated at the hands of all these white guard guards are always going to say like no he fucking murdered her and i think yeah it's quite good at not being like too moralistically like caputo's horrible person but being like this is how oppression and privilege and you know the way we see the world works racially but yeah which plot line are you most interested in in this ensemble drama
2: oh interesting question i think there's two i think the meth heads oh yeah really <laughs> yeah because i find them hilarious oh, i hate them so much uh, and i sort of I don't know I don't necessarily want good things for them no so I'm kind of compelled compelled by that but then yeah also tasty yeah I really want to know what happens with her yeah
1: I love her so much I also love Cindy a lot and I feel mm. like Cindy I loved her Judaism conversion yeah. plot so much and we haven't really seen that much of like really you know like moral Cindy this season she's been kind of more like comedy Cindy but I'd like to see the return of you know strong moral hearted Cindy
2: one thing I'm slightly disappointed by is the way red has been served in the season mm. because she was one of my favorite characters in previous mm. series and she had some really strong interesting plot lines in this one I feel like she's mostly being used for exposition yeah
1: she's kind of working on her own personal project mm. isn't she and I do think she's gonna find something really really good So I think as long as we get a big payoff with that plot, I'm happy because they sometimes do that in Orange is the New Black, right? Where they keep something simmering, simmering, simmering. They let you forget about something and then they give you a big payoff. And I hope that happens with Red because, yeah, she deserves it.
0: (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
3: Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home,
1: the next thing we're going to talk about this week is Control, which is kind of the debut album from singer Scissor. She's had other things sold as debuts in the past. She's done a mixtape called S, a mixtape called Z, and lots of other things. You might have heard consideration from Rihanna's album "Anti," which was written by Scissor. I think she does some of the background vocals on it as well. So she's been around for a while, and she's worked with some really cool people, people like Chance the Rapper, you know, cool people. And now she's finally got a big debut album out it's called control spelled c-t-r-l like on a computer and she's scissor spelled s-z-a in caps
2: and yeah it's great and we wanted to talk about it yeah so this is actually my first encounter with her i'd never listened to her music before or at least i thought i hadn't but i had heard that rihanna song Mm -hmm.
1: yeah well i when i was at university in my final year and i was doing my finals i became obsessed with her mixtape s which i would recommend all people get and it's got some great songs on it like castles and aftermath and lyrically really weird songs so i remember i think it's castles where she's it's one of the two where she says i'm made of bacon fairy tales, pixie dust, I'm alive. Like, it's just like weird lyrics like that. And she says like, living as a unicorn gets so lonely. Things like that. But at the (laughs) time when I was like super miserable and like feeling, I don't know. I think the very castles just opens with like, I wish I could be prettier for you. And you're like, it's just like so sad and so like vulnerable. So I really like her lyrics. And also all her music has this very like witchy, magical, glittery, dreamlike kind of atmosphere to it. And that's something I think that carries on in this album.
2: Yes, I was going to say, I really liked that. So having, I've listened to this album, I think three times through now, Mm. having not knowingly heard any of her music before. And I think it's still too early for me to kind of pick out particular lyrics or anything that are really speaking to me. But the whole feeling of the whole thing is really drawing me in. Yeah, Um, I feel like maybe this is wrong but my initial impression is that it's uh, sort of halfway between solange and lord
1: yeah i think lyrically there there is that lord vibe because it's that kind of vulnerability and anxiety but i think also one like probably very obvious comparison point would be frank ocean Mm, because it has got that same kind of like you want to listen to this in the sun by a pool really chilled out like vibe to it even though it's kind of sad and um, I really liked that about both artists. <laughs> yeah, there were lyrics that kind of jumped out at me at this one. I liked the bit where she was like talking about for- Forrest Gump in oh, the yeah. Doves in the Wind track, which features Kendrick Lamar. It's just funny, really good. I really liked in the song called Drew Barrymore, which I don't fully get as the name for the song, but I'm into it. She just starts like saying all these really sad things like, I'm so ashamed of myself. I think I need therapy. I'm sorry. I'm not more attractive. I'm sorry. I'm not more ladylike. I'm sorry. I don't shave my legs at night. And I just really like all that. There was another shaving legs reference, mm. I think, in Perfect Little Birds where she says, I want to be your golden goose. I want to shave my legs for you. I love that. I want to be your golden goose, which makes me think of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the golden geese lay golden eggs and, you know, the little brat really wants the golden egg. I don't know. I just like that there's this kind of like weird, very referential. That That mixtape I was talking about is super referential and has lots of like clips from like a Kitt or like mm. Rosemary's Baby like really random stuff it just creates the, yeah this really like dreamlike atmosphere that I'm just really into
2: yeah I already had the feeling that I now quite often get when I listen to music that I think is really artful and well put together which is I'd really like this person to be on Song Exploder.
1: Yeah. To explain this. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really cool, actually. I imagine she'd have a lot to say. She tweeted in October that she was giving up music and that she was really fed up of it and then deleted it. Um, But I think, yeah, she's quite an interesting person and she's quite outspoken and stuff. So yeah, I would definitely love to hear her on something like that. But yeah, it's just nice to hear an artist that's like so, she so knows what her vibe is and what her style is and, it's nice to, you know, see that get a little bit more because although she's done a lot of other stuff, it has all been quite like lo-fi mixtapes. and It's mm-hmm. nice to see her get to explore things a bit more. Another thing of hers that I'd really recommend is that her song Babylon has a really beautiful music video where it's her like basically getting into some water, which doesn't sound as, as nice <laughs> as it is. It's like her on some sort of riverside and she like very carefully like takes off most of her clothes and lays them out and then she like goes into the water in her like socks and t-shirt, but it's all like slow-mo and it's super beautiful. So, yeah, she's just a whole, I don't know, she's just got a whole, like, you know, vibe to herself that I'm really enjoying.
2: last time we followed up on a listener recommendation in fact many listener recommendations that we should try the channel 4 comedy catastrophe which stars sharon horgan and rob delaney as rob and sharon as their characters are called <laughs> in the show it turns on an accidental pregnancy based on i think what they call a few nights stand when rob who's american is over in london on a business trip and meets the irish sharon who lives in london and works as a teacher
3: I'll have a margarita. I'll get it. No, it's fine. Hey, don't make me fight a stranger.
0: Whoa! You're like an American sex wolf in London. When did you go back? Thursday. Well, I'll just write down my number.
3: You know what? That's my work visa, so if you... Doesn't matter. Great. Hey, so great to hear from you. I'm pregnant. I don't understand.
0: You know, we had sex about 25 times in a week, and you wore condom maybe
3: twice. Why did you let me do that?
0: And it only says Rob because uh, I don't know your surname.
3: It's Norris.
0: Mine's Morris. Morris and Norris. Well, at least that's ridiculous.
2: And then it just all really unfolds from there, doesn't it? Yeah, it's something that I've
1: wanted to watch for so long and it really didn't disappoint. It's really funny... And it is so about, you know, these two people who have been thrown into this situation that they just never expected they'd be thrown into. And there's a lot of stuff about, you know, the idea that they're kind of at an age where they should be ready for this. And that's part of the reason why they don't want to end the pregnancy. They're both thinking like, well, you know, we're of a certain age, like might not get another opportunity to do this. Mm. Like might as well just like really go for
2: it and follow (laughs) it through. It's just so good because the characters are so likeable. (laughs) They are so likable. And I think what I like most about it. So I binged my way through a series and a half of this, which is like nine episodes Mm. in about four days, which was great and meant I didn't sleep very much. But still, (laughs) I think what I like most about it is Rob and Sharon's dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Because even though they they keep saying, I just don't really know you at all. And Mm. here we are doing this together they click on this really weird level where one of them will say something that you think, oh, that's kind of rude. And you think, oh, the other one's going to be really offended by that. And instead, the other one's like, well, I think that about you too. Yeah, and this or like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I liked that she could say, like, did you like my brother? And he could be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're, Didn't like your brother. They're super honest with each other yeah. at all times, even when it's not in that person's favour in a way that is really charming.
1: And I think they both know when the moment is to like just let something go and make a joke so like Sharon will be sat there like I just don't think I can do this like actually you know but you can go like you should just leave like you don't really know me like it's fine you can just go and he'll be like oh like what you're an idiot I like you like don't be an idiot and just like brush it off and like know that she's just kind of being a bit weird and freaking out and then she'll be like oh thank god like because I really need (laughs) you to stay around um but I yeah I really like that and the way that they're both, like, quite relaxed around each other from the off. So there's, a, like, a really small moment. And I think this show's kind of one that's made off these small moments. Mm. So I won't feel too embarrassed about saying it. But she's like, I've got to go. I've got to go teach, like, a bunch of kids about the plague. What are you doing? And he just goes, ah, oh, same. And she just, like, laughs and leaves. Like, she doesn't actually bother to stay and, like, actually hound him about what he's doing for the day. Like, it's kind of this very relaxed, they want to make each other laugh, they want to have a nice time vibe. But that is also... Very caring. I really like the line when Sharon says to one of her other teachers that she works with, like, "He made me a frittata last night." (laughs) Oh, yes, that was. (laughs) Do you know what that is? (laughs) It's a really delicious egg thing. And if there's going to be more of that in the future, that I'm wanting to stick around for it. And you're like, yes, that's so nice. Like making someone a nice meal at the end of the day is just a really nice thing to do.
2: Yeah. So for yeah, all of those reasons, the dynamic between the two of them is delightful. And then in addition because it's quite tradition it's quite a traditional sitcom in many ways because around that central pairing you've got a little ring of supporting characters her brother we already mentioned her parents crop up rob's attempts to make friends in the uk come up a bit as well because the only person he really knows is this awful guy called ben who Just seems to be on coke all the time. I thought he was called Dan. Was he called
1: Dan? I don't know. I can't (laughs) remember. Maybe he's called Ben. I
2: can't remember. He's got one of those like man, one word, one syllable names. But then my favourite supporting character is the Scottish guy, Chris.
1: I don't know if I've met Chris yet.
2: So they go for dinner with sharon's frenemy Fran. oh yeah,
1: yeah oh chris from he's the guy from um new blood the evil <laughs> yes yeah and he was in something he was in apple tree yard as well he yes. was like the nice hot husband mm-hmm. oh i really fancy that guy yeah
2: he's <laughs> so good in this as well he's so like scottish
1: yeah okay yeah of course no Continue. Um,
2: and he's they use this gag several times i think because he's just so good at delivering it which is like him deadpanning something really dreadful (laughs) so you know like Rob will be late for meeting them and Chris will be like I was really offended that you just left me sitting here by myself, I can't believe you would do that and Robbie would be like, oh I'm so sorry, Chris would be like oh never mind Matt, I just had an extra point yeah, yeah, he yeah. does that so many times and I every time I'm like, I'm going to get tired of this shtick and then I don't
1: Yeah, I really. he's got so much charisma that guy and he's also got something weirdly threatening about him and you're just, I'm, yeah I'm here for it, it's he's, very weird he's so menacing Yeah,
2: <laughs> but in a really low key way, it's amazing
1: Yeah, the cast in this generally is great like a lot of like very recognisable faces, and also a lot of recognizable villainous faces mm-hmm. I feel like pop up in this like I can't I'm sorry I'm not informed seriously listeners at all I could have googled this before I started started the podcast but I didn't
2: but the guy who plays their doctor oh yeah he's like in loads of shit wasn't he in james bond for a while
1: probably i don't know he's yeah. like literally in everything he's like one of the most working actors out there but like he's great as they're just like kind of off doctor like saying weird things like i'm probably not gonna bother having a
2: look down there because you've definitely got this so because one of the things that really amps up the tension in the early episodes is that sharon is found to be like pre-cancer she's got you know some kind of high likelihood of developing I think cervical cancer or something yeah, like that yeah it's called cervical dysplasia or something yeah. isn't it? so she has to make the decision about you know having treatment or pursuing the pregnancy or whatever and obviously it just massively heightens her stress levels about the whole thing mm. so Rob being very American is like oh let's get a second opinion let's we'll get another doctor it's fine Yeah. and then that's that guy yeah. um, and he's just like yeah no you definitely have that You know, the, I know sometimes <laughs> people like, are like oh maybe the test could be wrong but like this is a test that's definitely not wrong yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> So, yeah, and just, like, loads of really, yeah, really good British actors just hanging around, Mm. and it's just genuinely really funny. It just makes me laugh.
2: Yeah. I want to flag up as well that The the New Yorker did a really good profile of Sharon Horgan about six months ago. I think maybe when it really took off in the US, Mm -hmm. and at the time, I still had a print subscription to The New Yorker, and so I opened it and flicked it, and I was like, I mean, I... I think Sharon Hogan is a great writer and a great actor and stuff. But I was like, is she worthy of a New Yorker yeah, profile yeah. though? And now I've watched Catastrophe I'm like, definitely yes. Yeah, it's yes, so she good.
1: Is. It's so good. And I, it's also something that I just really want to watch more of, mm. which is just the best feeling when you're like, I hate that feeling when you're like, oh, well, I've got an hour to eat my lunch, but I don't, don't really know what to like watch with it nothing that i really feel that keen about watching but when catastrophe is in your life you're like yay (laughs) another episode of catastrophe it is so yeah it's a great watch so
2: thank you to all the listeners who persisted and kept recommending this long after its like latest season had meant it had died out of press attention yeah you were right we were wrong we should have watched it 100 another week another recommend caroline what's floating about in the bin So we've had a great email from Naomi who has made what is now quite a topical recommend because this book just won the very important Bailey's Prize for women's fiction. Oh, yay. And she says, I wanted to recommend The Power by Naomi Alderman. I guess you could describe it as feminist dystopian fiction, sort of Handmaid's Tale meets The Hunger Games. It follows an alternative reality where women gain the power to electrocute others with world-changing implications for gender dynamics. yes (laughs) I know so I've had several friends describe this book to me in various states of intoxication and I I was like what do you mean they've got a special gland that means they can zap men
1: I don't know but I want the gland yeah
2: give me the fucking gland so I'm really excited to read this it's been on my to read list for a long time and I'm now going to use this podcast as a way of making myself do it
1: Thanks for listening
2: to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, where you could also leave us a review. We've got loads of events coming up this
1: summer, including festivals, live episodes and quizzes. Find out more and buy tickets at seriouslypod.com slash events.
2: We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're seriously Pod on all of them.
1: We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com.
2: And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. <laughs>